With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Everyone, John Wertheim here. It is this week's Sports Illustrated slash Tennis Channel Tennis Podcast. We have not one but two guests today. We start with we're going to start with Jake Elliott, whose uh, name may only ring a faint bell in tennis circles. It rings a considerably louder bell in football circles. Jake is the kicker for the Philadelphia Eagles that just won Super Bowl Fifty Two. Of far more significance, he is a, a very good tennis player who almost played college tennis before uh, he was seduced by a sport that um, is considerably more dangerous. A lot of concussions in tennis, thankfully. But uh, Jake spent some time with us, talked football, talked tennis, talked about the uh, overlap such that it is. This was uh, reminiscent of our conversations with uh, with Dirk Nowitzki and Gordon Hayward, who um, obviously play tennis as well as uh, major professional sports. Good guy, Jake Elliott. Uh, we start with him, and then we're going to talk a little bit with Andrea Leand. Andrea is a longtime tennis observer, former player on a WTA tour, who was at Fed Cup. I had a bunch of questions about Fed Cup, particularly Serena Williams. Uh, how did Serena look? And um, I was not there. So we uh, deferred to someone who could speak firsthand. So let's start uh, start with Jake and then go to Andrea. Jake Elliott, welcome. Where, where are you? Where are we getting you? Uh, I'm in a car right now. I'm just, I'm just parked. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. All right. We'll only be like three hours in. Um, All right, perfect, perfect. <laughs> the uh, we we will talk about your uh, the the quasi sport of football later, but let's let's talk tennis now. Let's talk. Yeah, I like that real sport. Um, what's what's your uh, <laughs> what's what's your tennis story? How uh, t- tell us about your relationship with the sport. Yeah, so um, started off young, probably when I was four or five years old. Um, you know, just playing at this local local racket club that I used to just tag along with one of my buddies to. I never really belonged there. But, um, you know, started playing with him and, you know, started started growing, obviously, a real big appreciation for the game and taking it more seriously and more seriously. And, you know, probably started starting to play competitively about eight years old and in, like, the under 10s or whatever whatever it was growing up. And, um, you know, played played a lot of big names um, in the area that are that are making some noise now. Who did you uh, – um, yeah. this, this, is, this is Illinois, right? It's Midwest? Yeah, yeah. Who you, Who'd you play? Uh, like names like Jared Hiltick, um, Martin Rudlicky, Michael Rudlicky. Um, trying to think of some other some other big guys that are up there now. So you, uh, um, I was thinking you're you're probably you're you're too young for the like Donald Young, Tim Smichek generation. Yeah, they were they were a little bit older. Yeah, they were a little bit older than me. What kind um, of, you're you're not a big guy. How, how'd you play? Oh, I was, I mean, I was, I was real quick, real quick guy. So I got a lot of balls back. Grew up playing on clay courts. So that was definitely a strength, but, but honestly, I was, I was really aggressive as well. 
Um, so I played a ton of other sports, so I didn't, right. I didn't play as much as these other kids did. So I couldn't necessarily out compete them with consistency all the time. Um, so I mean, I, I actually loved it, loved to serve in the Valley. I loved to hit a big kick serve out wide and, and come in on approach on that. I love that. The, uh, I don't know if you talked to my, my colleague, Jonathan Jones did a piece on you before the Super Bowl. basically said you just had otherworldly hand-eye coordination and your, your coach was saying, you know, you, you'd go play other sports and you wouldn't practice half as much as the other kids and then the match would start and you'd, you'd end up right. winning. Um, how, how serious did it get? I mean, were, you, were you thinking college tennis? Yeah, no, I, I went on I went on one visit. Uh, I went to went to Illinois State, and um, you know, was thinking about playing there. But I was kind of back and forth at the time, thinking you know, football obviously is just financially the better option, um, scholarship wise going forward. So um, you know, put a little bit more thought into that and took that took that more seriously. But yeah, went on went on a visit to Illinois State, um, thinking thinking college tennis my whole high school career really until until junior year when when football came around. This this is Lagrange Lagrange Lions. Yeah, L- Lions Township is the high school. Man, what, what uh, wait? I got trivia. What what uh, what NBA head coach went to that high school? NBA. Oh, Jeff Hornacek. Yeah, very good. What? Yeah, yeah, I got you. <laughs> what, what what actor popular in Germany went to uh, the Hoff? Yeah, right. Oh. Very good. You you know your. Uh... <laughs> I know. I know my school history. Very good. I hear it's tight most every night. Now I might be mistaken. That's not the, uh, the that's not the, the ZZ Top song. Is it Lagrange, Illinois? Is it? Uh, I don't know. I'm all not right. sure. But you you got Horn a second. You got Hasselhoff. Very good. Um, yeah, that's all I know. But you, uh, <laughs> I mean, you you were you were playing at a at a serious level. You were you were coaching in the summer too, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I worked for our for our local park district, keep, teaching um teaching little kids around, and then um you know giving giving private lessons to to kids in my town. There's there's a vicious rumor going around that Leighton Hewitt was the player you uh, you most admired. Yeah, that was the guy I loved to watch growing up. What what, what was it about him? Of, I think it was just how much energy he brought. You know, he was he was the big come on guy and let's go and made a lot of noise and brought a lot of excitement to the game. So so how do you make this uh, re- regrettable switch from tennis to football? <laughs> Very regrettable. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty crazy story and involved, involved tennis as well. Um, I was, uh, just, you know, on the tennis court at junior, junior high school. Uh, well, actually let's back it up a little bit. Um, back to freshman year of high school, I was, you know, not, not playing football yet. Um, went to our high school's homecoming pep rally, uh, you know, the night before our, our <laughs> right, big homecoming right. football game and um just got picked out of the crowd at random to do a, a high um like a field goal kicking contest and you know got, went out there and knocked a couple through the coach came up to me and said you know you should really you should really think about playing and you know just kind of brushed it off obviously focused on focused on tennis at the time was also playing basketball and just just didn't want to add another another uh, sport into there so you know brushed it off a couple of years rolled around um you know, it's like the middle of the summer, a couple of weeks before the first first football game, and I'm over on the tennis courts, you know, training for the year, getting ready for whatever tournaments are coming up. And uh, coach comes comes over, and you know, had had heard I could kick from a few of my buddies, and then also remembered that back to that pep rally a few years earlier, uh, grabbed me off the tennis courts and had me kick a few in their practice and knocked a couple through again. He said, you know, come back tomorrow if you want. 
and um, decided decided to do it this time around, and everything just kind of rolled from there. You you had no training. You didn't. Uh, you just no. just kind of messing around. <laughs> kick kicked the ball. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. If you go back and look at look at the film from my junior year, it's not it's not too pretty. The ball went through, but it didn't look good. <laughs> so so you switch over to football. How did that go over with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Elliott? Um, they were they were all about it, honestly. Um, I mean, they they never really wanted me playing football earlier on in my life. Um, you know, more for the injury injury sake, but um, you know, at the position, obviously, you're not you're not getting hit too much. So they were they were all for it, and obviously, they wanted they wanted me to succeed in tennis as well. But um, you know, crazy opportunity comes up like that, and they they wanted me to to do whatever wanted whatever I wanted to do with it. And and you obviously went and played, you know, you, you played college football, and that was pretty much it for tennis. Um, yeah, I mean, I still I still mess around. I'll go back and um, you know I, I keep in touch with my high school coach, um, pretty close with him. So every time I go back, I try to you know hit around with the high school team back home. Okay, so you're almost the exact same dimensions of Leighton Hewitt. Let's see, you're, you're listed at five five nine one seventy. Yeah. Do, do you fear you know physical contact with with guys that are double your weight? I mean, how, how does that? You know, the guy, really. guy, not, guys are trying in, to block I'm the kick. Are you worried? Position. You're not no, worried about that? No, not really. No, no, not too worried about that. I, you know, the last line of defense on, on a kickoff, but, you know, I'll, I'll scratch and claw at their, at their feet if they get there. I was going to say, you how, how many tackles you make this year? <laughs> uh, I had one and I got concussed. Oh, <laughs> uh, you, don't, you don't get concussed playing tennis. I just, just want to uh, point that out. I, I got, you know, t- tell me about being a kicker. I, I had to do a piece once with, uh, remember Mike Vanderjack, who, uh, Kicked for the for the yes. Colts with with Peyton Manning. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Canadian. Yeah. And it, I just I I really enjoyed talking to him, but it just struck me as the weirdest role that he was doing something totally different from everyone else. You know, he had his own spot in practice. He'd go weeks without any physical contact, no violence, and then he would have this huge yeah. role. The game rolls around, and then he's got this this huge role. Um, what's it like being? I mean, what's what's the life of a kicker like to you? Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely different. It's not it's not like all the other guys. You know, me, our punter, and our long snapper are kind of off off on our own all all week during practice. You know, we'll we'll go out 30 minutes before the team does, and you know, get our get our warm up kicks in and all that, and then we'll have you know our field goal period right at the beginning of practice with the team, and then you know, pretty much at, right after that, we we'll go inside for a while and. Um, you know, just kind of mess around on our own in there and come back out for like a punt period for 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 our punter and then you know go back in we're just kind of in and out all day we're not really you know with with the team the whole the whole day per se in the locker room is it kind of you guys you like the the, the bullpen that keeps to itself or do you guys integrate with no, these, these 350 no, pound men pretty well yeah no i mean we we're all pretty um we're all pretty close in the locker room i mean obviously we're we're with each other a lot, so obviously a lot closer in that spectrum. But I mean, we—I think that's that's something specific to our team, though. I don't know if it's like that throughout every single organization, but um, I mean, our our team as a whole is, is really really close. I I played pool with with some NBA players, and um, you know, you hear these stories about Steph Curry as a scratch golfer. Mm-hmm. Do you think there? I mean, is this is this a hand eye thing? I mean, do you think the same coordination that helped you so much in tennis has? bearing on you kicking a ball through goalposts or is it totally different drill yeah no no I, I absolutely think so and i think that just has to do with playing a bunch of sports growing up as well and you know tennis obviously is a huge help with 
with hand-eye coordination and just, you know, footwork and, and all that goes as well. I mean, all that kind of translates over to golf for me as well. I'm, I'm thinking, too, that, you know, you you know this, you're a tennis player. It's 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 four all in the third, and someone's going to win this, mm-hmm. and, and someone's going to lose this. And there, there's not a whole lot of mm-hmm. ambivalence. You're, you're going to kick that ball, and it's either going to, it's going to go through the uprights or it's not. There's there's not a whole lot of gray yep. area there. Is there uh, mental similarities? Yeah, I think that's huge. I think the mental mental toughness aspect of it prepared me more than more than anything else. To be honest with you, um, you know, like you like you said, for all in the third, you know, it's just it's it's on you. It's not on it's not on anybody else. So um, you know, you're not you're not relying on a million a million your other teammates to to bail you out. You know, you're either going to make the kick or you're going to miss the kick or you're going to miss the serve or you're going to make the serve. You you were pretty pretty mentally tough as a tennis player. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. What's the status of your tennis game these days? What's that? What's what's the status? The, yeah, you, are you are you playing much? <clears throat> um, I haven't recently, obviously during the season, but um, I'm gonna try to get back out there in a couple of weeks and try to hit the ball around. You know, sometimes I play the best when I haven't played in a really long time. <laughs> That's like all of us. When you, uh, yeah, yeah exactly. You, muscle memory. <laughs> where, where are you in the off season? You go, you go back to Illinois? Um, I'll, I'll kind of bounce around. I'm I'm kind of basing out of Philly, but. Um, headed back to Chicago tomorrow for uh, probably five five or so days, and yeah, you know, just kind of kind of bouncing around all over the place. A couple of vacations here and there. T- tennis doesn't really do off season, uh, at least not no. at, the, at the pro <laughs> level. If this, if these guys have you know a, a month, it's uh, they're they're lucky before they start um, training mm-hmm. camp. What, what's this like for you? <laughs> I mean, it's it's the middle of February. You guys played later than any other team besides the mm-hmm. Patriots in the season, and now you still have got four or five months. I mean, what, what is this period like for you as an athlete? Uh, it's definitely nice to, to get a little break, just give your, give your body a rest, you know, especially for, for all the rookies right now. You know, I've been, I've been kicking a ball basically since, you know, before training camp my senior season in college because, you know, right, right when the season ends, you have, you have the senior bowl that I was in, you know, you got the combine you're preparing for, and then, you know, all that kind of rolls right into training camp. So, um, for me, I've been really kicking the ball for like a year and a half straight right now, so I gotta gotta rest the leg a little bit. And what else do you do in the off season? I mean, what's um, next you know, few I'll, weeks play, I'll play a lot of golf. I'll play a lot of golf and you know try to try to relax myself and you know take my mind off football for a little bit. And um, you know, I'll obviously get get back to working out here and, and kicking the ball around in about a month. I saw I saw Wilson made you an Eagles customized racket. Yeah, yeah. How about that? <laughs> you hit with that yet? No, I haven't. I havenven't gotten it in yet, so I'll have to test it out once once they get shipped up. I wanted to uh, to put a link on this to um, to the philanthropy you were involved in, especially uh, that, that got some publicity during the the postseason. Mm-hmm. Who, who is who is Kelly O'Laughlin? Um, so Kelly was was actually one of the one of the girls that I taught tennis to. Um, oh, really? growing up in, okay. in my hometown. Yeah. So she, she grew up in the same hometown as me. Um, went to the same high school, obviously. Um, had a, had a chance to, to kind of work with her as far as tennis goes. And you know, she was, she was only two years younger, younger than I was. So, um, obviously, you know, how the, the tennis teams kind of coincide with each other, the boys and the girls team. So, um, knew her, uh, just basically through tennis and through, through my high school. And you know, obviously she, um, she walked in on a on a robbery and 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 was murdered in her home, and you know that was something that really really touched home to to me and our community. 
and um, you know just just being able to kind of relive and kind of kind of give her give her an honor I know it's been it's been a couple of years now since since it's happened so uh, for me more than anything it was just kind of vicariously carrying her life on and you know giving giving her family a show of support and you know just know know that she's still loved and remembered in our community I, I didn't realize and you and you knew her through tennis she she was a yeah she was a player yeah. as well yep well um we'll, we'll we'll put a link to this that people can still order shirts and uh it's yep same 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 website that was working during the playoffs is working here yeah correct the it's it's my personal website so i think it's i would have to look up the link but we, we, we got you um it's, it's it's whatever the one i i have i have up in my bios and all my social media for all of tennis's virtues when when you win wimbledon you don't necessarily get a parade um, yeah. we are, uh, what are we four, four days, four days later. What was, uh, what was that parade like in Philly last week? Man, that was, that was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Words, words really can't describe it. I mean, you just see, just see a sea of people that's, that's going ballistic for, for a couple hours straight is, is, is pretty cool. And, you know, growing, growing up in Chicago, you see, you see the Blackhawks parades and the Cubs parade a couple of years ago. And, you know, you think that's, that's one of the coolest sites ever, but to be, to be up on that bus and see that, see it from that perspective is just outrageous. And Philly, Philly fans especially, just they, they they brought it. Yeah. When, when did you? Uh, when so I, I should point out. I mean, you joined the team in in September. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're not a guy that's that's you're, you're not the ten year veteran. When when did you realize this this fan base uh, was unique? Um, you know, I hear I heard all the stories coming in. It was I, I had a lot of fair warnings, but. Um, I think right after right after I hit that big kick in the in the Giants game week three, um, you kind of you kind of saw people coming out of coming out of nowhere and um, just the the support from the city was overwhelming. You know, I was just like an overnight sensation, and my name was all over the city. And um, you know, you just, you're you're hearing from fans all over the place, and just just the excitement around the city was was pretty overwhelming. You know, you you bring up that Giants game. That that was the game where you hit the. Uh... That was the game where you hit the, the game-winning field goal, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. So, so what happened when, uh, I, you know, every, everyone heard the story about um, about Wentz offering you his game check if if you made yeah, it, yeah. and then you, you stuck that sixty-one yarder. Um, whatever happened with that? Did, did you, end up, you end up getting that? Uh, from him? We ended up, yeah. He he ended up saying uh, we're we're just going to donate it to a charity of of my choice. So he just. Um, kind of put that on me and just said, you know, pick a pick a charity that's hits close home to you, and um, we'll we'll sign it that way. That's what you guys did. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so he ended up a good man. So yeah, he he, he paid his debt. You made the field goal, and uh, yep, ch- exactly. charity got a lot of money. Exactly. Everybody wins. Um, you got it. You uh, you you can go to one professional event. Where where are you going? T- tennis, that is. Ooh. I I think it would have to be Wimbledon. After Wimbledon, you, you, I mean, you grow up watching that. That's the you know the first class tennis thing that you you got to see and you got to go to. You see the all white, all the all the grass courts, and it's just I mean, it looks like paradise. You've you've never been, I take it. No, no. When when do you guys have uh, when do you have OTA? You you can first week of July. You can you can swing that. It's possible. It's possible. I think we have a we do have a break between um, you know late June and early July, so it's po- yeah, it's possible. Here's what we're gonna do. You you guys have a game in London next year, don't you? Yeah. 
So you're you're going to go over in July. You're going to do some publicity nonsense, and you're going to uh, you're going to go to Wimbledon for a few days. I mean, that'd be pretty cool. We'll, we'll make that happen. Cool. Um, All right. So G- Gordon Hayward is the uh, the best tennis player in the NBA. You've, okay. you've come across a you've come across a, uh, a a better tennis player in the NFL, have you? Um, not no, not that I know of. Not that I know of. I'm not sure. And anyone else you know uh, pl- play at a reasonably high level? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I'll give you trivia. Drew, Drew Brees was in uh, Andy Roddick's junior tennis clinic. Oh, really? But but I think uh, I think we're safe. In, but he he wasn't playing college tennis the way you were. I think I think we're safe in saying you are the. Uh, you're, you're, okay, the best, you're the well, best tennis player. In the right, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that without even playing a match. I like it. <laughs> um, this uh, there, there's a vicious rumor you and I are going to uh, hit, hit some balls for Tennis Channel in a, in a few weeks. But um, meanwhile, try, try out that try out that Eagles racket Wilson sent you. Yeah, well, I'll have to. I'll have to get that thing ready. Um, all right, thanks. This was uh, fun. Fun talking tennis. Congrats on the Super Bowl. You're uh, unlike a tennis player. You win a title, and now you've got six months of downtime. So uh, you, yeah, you got great. that going for you. <laughs> Very good. Very good. All right. Thanks, man. This was fun. All right. You take, got it. Take it easy. It. All right. Thanks for Jake Elliott spending some time with us. Uh, again, we, we always like it when athletes in other sports have a background in tennis. We say that uh, Gordon Hayward is the best tennis player in the NBA. I'm prepared to say here and now that uh, Jake Elliott is the best tennis player in the NFL. Um, now let's talk with uh, Andrea Leanne. Again, just by way of uh, preface, there were a bunch of questions this week about Serena Williams, her return to tennis, the Fed Cup uh, in Asheville, North Carolina. I was not there, so um, thought it would be good to uh, defer to an expert and talk to someone who is actually on the ground. Andrea was there uh, covering the event. She is a former player. She is a um, she's a longtime tennis observer. She has uh, connections and contacts, obviously, to Serena Williams' camp. So I just sort of wanted to, uh, on, on behalf of you, the curious uh, readership and audience, I wanted to get uh, a firsthand take of where Serena Williams is. All right, let's bring in Andrea right now. You were in Asheville, North Carolina. You were at Fed Cup. Start riffing. <laughs> it was great. It was a fabulous time. The intimate setting, the packed house, the crowd was so appreciative of it all. Venus, 1,000 wins, really held down the fort and uh, sealing it for the U.S., moving them to the semis against France, which will be in April. But, of course, all questions, John, were on Serena. As we all know, what condition was she in? Was she ready to go? Everyone was so excited just to see her on the premises. And they finally did get to see her on court. She played the doubles uh, the last, uh, last match with her sister. But I think it was tough, John, because, you know, she's still in that process of really getting back into mode and to competitive shape and, you know, dealing with how to manage the baby and a husband, and they were fantastic. I have to say, they sat there, and this little baby Olympia, it, she's in on it. She has two feet in on her mother's comeback. <laughs> she fought in? Not one tear. Yeah, she was great. She's not one tear, and she sat the whole time through all the matches and practices. I did get a glimpse of Serena in the practice, did as well as off-court in her conditioning, and there really isn't anything to report. That was the whole real thing. There's nothing to say. There's nothing to report right now because she's such in the beginning process of it all. And I think that the good news is this is a cold shower for her. She really got to see a reality check of where she is. you got to put the yoga pants away, get the skirt out, 
and realize where she was in comparison to Coco and, of course, her sister Venus and Lauren Davis, who are also on the team. But it's a very, very nurturing environment with Captain Kathy Rinaldi and the USTA behind her. But I, I think that uh, you know, now it's a reality check on what she needs to do to get back into competitive uh, matches. How far? I mean, I got, I got a lot of questions. And honestly, I'm like, I, I'm not there. I'm not really in a position to make assessments. I mean, is this, listen, she just gave birth less than half a year ago. This is going to take time. Or, or are you concerned that this is not a player ready to, for example, play Indian Wells in three weeks? I think that would be a, a very, very lofty goal to play Indian Wells. If I were Serena, first of all, she's given us 23 grand slams. She's dominated the game for a decade. She's given us enough. Now it's about you know doing for herself and what she wants and what her personal goals are. So in that regard, she's got to do it on her own timetable and not come back until she's ready and not feel pressured to do so. Of course, everyone wants her in Indian Wells in Miami. I and mean, of course, the whole sport does. And it'd be great for but she's got to do what's good for her, and that means her timetable should be in that she comes back where she's comfortable going on court, facing Maria, facing Sloane Stevens in that first round. She won't be seated. She doesn't have a ranking, and she's going to have to really hit the ground running from that first match. And those two tournaments are so tough, as you know, John. The big draws, everyone wants to peak there. So it'll be the toughest thing. I think the better move would be to come back in Charleston. But it's good that she has goals now, I think. She's, the team is coming. The team's coming together to try and really circle the wagons and get her back on the routine. You know, I remember a little bit of this in 2011 when she came back from all the series of injuries and even a pulmonary embolism then. And it is different than the fact she's coming back from maternity leave. But the same thing applies. It was hard to get her off the couch, hard to get her motor going, and back into really that drive of wanting to get into condition. And they sent her to Paris. She got... Uh, everything going over there, and the rest was history. And I think the same applies here. I think they have to get her motor going. And once she gets going, she'll see that light at the, at the end of the tunnel. I think the next three weeks are going to be the toughest for her in her tennis career. And if she can get through these next three weeks and just do the hard stuff and have that discipline, then I think you know the coast will be clear for her. I just, want, just to repeat, these next three weeks you think are going to be the toughest three weeks of Serena Williams' entire career? I do, in her tennis career, because uh, this is where she's trying to come back at 36 years of age. It's already unprecedented to come back with the pregnancy, with the baby, all these excuses. She's got five zillion reasons and excuses not to be able to do this, and she could pull any of them out, but I don't think she is, John, because I'll tell you what gave me the most hope. On Saturday night, after the first day of matches, her sister won easily. Coco, as we all know, the colorful Coco that she is, uh, uttered a few words I don't think you would hear in the halls of your alma mater, but uh, a new uh, version of the English language. But she got through that match to give the U.S. a two-love lead. But the feeling was, is was Serena going to play? And people were really anxious about it. And no one really knew where she was. And there it was, John. I got back. I looked at my Instagram. Up flashed a picture from Serena. This is the picture. The game face was on. As serious as serious could be. No baby, no husband, no nothing in the picture, but a tennis court and her. And that, to me, said, don't feel sorry for me. Don't, don't think that uh, I'm not going to do this because I am coming back. I am going to do what it takes, and I'm, I'm going to make it back and get those two titles. That's great. I mean, again, you were there. I wasn't, so I'm glad uh... – I'm glad you were able to. I to think weigh she's in. got the game face on. I think that this was a perfect thing. Yeah, there was a lot of questions. Should you put her in the doubles? Right. Should you play her when she's not 100%? And, you know, but I give credit to Serena. She put the white, you know, spandex shirt on. She got out there. She ran down every ball she could. 
side for every single shot. You saw that kind of innate uh, offensive play, you know, where she's moving forward, being aggressive. You saw all the ability there. But obviously, she's I'd say she's a good six weeks away, if not two months away from being where she really wants to be. Um, the good news is these three weeks, though, is where she has to get over that little hump. And I think if she can really apply herself in these three weeks and just realize this is going to be the tough three weeks that will set up everything, um, I think she'll be good to go. But, um, you know, it's tough. It, it, you know, as she said, this is going to be a long journey. Uh, she did not manage her time, she says, as well as she would have liked uh, in Asheville and having her baby and, her, and, and everyone there. But she, it was a good learning experience. And I think you needed that cold shower, John, in order to now you know, know how to do it when it becomes really important in these tournaments. I appreciate this. Um, again, you you were there. You had a front row seat. Um, I, I got a lot of questions about this, and honestly, I, I was in no position to answer. So um, thanks for the dispatch. We'll do it again. Great. I appreciate it. Take All right. care. Thanks, Andrea. Take care. All right. Thanks to Andrea Leand for that uh, dispatch from Asheville, North Carolina. Thanks to Jake Elliott. Good guy. Kicker. Super Bowl champion. Um, almost a college tennis player. Jamie, thank you as always for your uh, trusty producing. I'm going to bring you in as Richard Deitch uh, always suggests that uh, that I do. He doesn't do that with you as much, um, but he we will doesn't. happily uh, happily talk tennis. Did did you have a chance to see Serena at all? Uh, I did not. I did see um, lots of photos and the a baby. Lot of, a lot of social media traffic in, yes. in every sense. Um, I mean, one thing that was interesting to me was that when Serena played Ostapenko. Um, I, th- I think it was New Year's Eve, actually, um, in, in the Middle East, and then decided not to play Australia. She seemed a little rusty, and there there were some questions about timing, and it's, again, all of this is perfectly reasonable, perfectly expected. She and then we found gave out about, birth, and we, uh, exactly, yeah. and then we found out not only did she give birth, but we found out how difficult and challenging and, and frankly, frightening that, that childbirth was. So I think all of this is, is completely normal and to be expected. And yet it seemed as though there was more chatter about Serena and the, the state of her game and the state of her fitness in Asheville and North Carolina in January than there had been six weeks earlier. So, um, you know, again, a- Andrea doesn't seem to think Serena's will be ready for Indian Wells. I suppose we'll see. I know if I've learned anything covering the sport, it is uh, you do not underestimate or uh, doubt Serena Williams. So whatever she Whatever she decides, she decides. But um, I, you know, it's 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 an interesting. It's a little tricky to cover. Um, you certainly want to give the entire context as a thirty-five-year-old woman who just gave birth. If she needs extra time, she needs extra time. I think. It, I mean, she's human. We saw her. We've seen her lose. You know, majors that she's in matches that she's supposed to win. Even she looks like she's on top of the world. So I think it's understandable that uh, you know. She looked like a player who really had not played in a long time. And like you said, I mean, she wasn't just sitting out, you know, sitting on her couch eating Oreos and milk and kind of like going on vacation every week. I mean, she had a baby and she kind of went through this complete life change. She got married and I'm sure there was a lot of things that she dealt with that, you know, she wasn't expecting. So I think uh, she's human in that respect. But I also think the superhuman side of her in terms of recovering and getting back, will get there. I, uh, I mean, I don't think she can flip a switch, as you said, at her age, but I'm definitely not counting her out. I also think even for such an extraordinary athlete, you, you said this, there's some really interesting sort of twists and turns here. I mean, this is not a 
linear, predictable career. And sometimes she's on top of the world, and then she'll go a year without winning a major. And then she'll she'll lose. Remember when she lost early in the French Open to Virginie Rosano? And everyone said, oh, boy, this is the end for Serena. And she's crying during the match, and she's losing to a player outside the top 100. And then five weeks later, she's winning Wimbledon. Um, she wins the first three majors, and then she loses to you know, Roberta Vinci uh, at, at the U.S. Open in a match. She probably wins 98 times out of 100 on a neutral exactly. contact. So who knows? All of which is to say, take your time. Let's just hope we see her back in, in some capacity. And I think tennis has shown us that, if anything, a break, for whatever reason it may be, is beneficial to a player, especially a player who is aging and kind of, you know, been on tour for so long. You know, we kind of saw it with better. This is obviously very different, but... I, my my favorite factoid is that a if if you were born the day Serena Williams won her first major, you'd be in college right now, so you have longevity like that. You you get to plan your own schedule. Um, let me ask you about another incident where you and I were not there in person, um, but it seems to be getting quite a bit of of traffic and traction. It is now Tuesday. What is it? About four o'clock in the afternoon. And my day has unexpectedly been, uh, I don't want to say hijacked, but um, the, the Ryan Harrison, Donald Young dust up on Monday night has um, taken an extraordinary uh, amount of my social media bandwidth, if, if nothing else. Um, you, you've probably seen the video, which doesn't seem to be particularly conclusive. But Donald Young, I should say, does not strike me as someone who um, makes makes charges. Not, Donald Young does not strike me as particularly confrontational. Um, give uh, absent definitive evidence one way or the other do you, do you have thoughts on this when this crossed your transom what'd you think i well like you said we both weren't there the video doesn't really show much there is not much audio um we talked about it i mean one thing ryan harrison maybe has had some past dust dust ups uh in kind of a lot of dust searching <laughs> around i kind of remembered um the one quote from Kakanakis back in the day where he's like said he should have decked that kid or something yeah, Cincinnati, so like, right, right yeah so I that kind of triggered for me that I sort of remembered uh oh all right uh, maybe there is some history in this way um it'll be interesting to see the ATP is now investigating uh so they're going to look at all video and audio so it'll be interesting to see what they come up with you, you would think a chair umpire would quickly say, Correct, oh, yes, I heard this, or oh, yes, I did not hear this. Um, the, the one person tasked with being keyed into uh, to, to the match in that capacity. Clearly I, there, were, there weren't uh, court mics as there were when uh, Varenka and Kyrgios Oh, played. good point. <laughs> exactly. Uh, court mic would have, would have picked that up, and we would have our answer. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think, and I'm, I'll write this tomorrow as well, that this does not occur in a vacuum in that uh, Ryan Harrison has a— History, a regrettable one, I would say, of having these confrontations. You say dust up um, with other players. I mean, this is you can sort of we can tick off four or five of these in, in recent memory alone. So um, we will see where this goes. But this was not a um, this, this this was not a pretty moment. Um, all right. On that happy note, that will do it for this week. Again, thanks as always to Jamie. Thanks to Andrew Leanne for some thoughts from uh, from Asheville in Fed Cup. I think I may have called Davis Cup inadvertently. Forgive me or edit that out. Um, thanks to Jake Elliott, Super Bowl winning that. kicker for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, who uh, spent some time with us, big tennis fan. And uh, thanks to you all for listening. We will have another podcast uh, coming up next week. We have some uh, some good guests lined up. We may have a, uh, a number one ranked player who will go nameless. 
And uh, again, you can get this wherever you find podcasts on uh, Stitcher. Where else do I? I always get this wrong. Apple Podcasts. You said Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iTunes. iTunes. Leave us a review. Leave us a review. Please. please. Uh, thanks, Jamie. What would I do without you? All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a good week. We'll be right back.